0: Disclaimer This game podcast references the Savage Worlds game system available from Pinnacle Entertainment Group at www.peginc.com. It is unofficial media content permitted under the Media Network Content Agreement. This content is not managed, approved, or endorsed by Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Certain portions of the materials used here are intellectual property of Pinnacle, and all rights are reserved. Savage Worlds, all related settings and unique characters, locations, logos, and trademarks are copyrights of Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Mm-hmm. coming to you from the foot of the majestic rocky mountains denver colorado it's the savage cast a savage world's podcast brought to you by the rocky mountain savages here are your hosts chris savage Mummy fox and christopher savage bull landauer Good evening,
1: Mr. Fox. How you doing, buddy? Good evening. Doing great. What's up, Wild Cards?
0: Hey, Wild Cards. So, welcome to episode 43 of the Savage Cast. We, yeah, uh,
1: we're getting we're so 50. close to 50.
0: I know, right? Well, like in age and in... Well, I guess it's technically the episodes have passed my age, and we're catching up to you because you're yeah. old as, like, Methuselah. Dirt. Dirt, yeah.
1: Oldest old as dirt. That's right. But I keep this youthful appearance...
0: Right, you don't look like you're you're 75 like you really are. So that no, works out. That's right? right. And I've got a fantastic beard for a 14 year old. So uh,
1: yes, yes.
0: <laughs> so yeah, today we've got an interview with the creators of Stingers and Spores, and we'll get to that um, quickly. Uh, but before that, uh, we got some news you can use from the Savage World sphere. So first big thing, guys, is by the time you're hearing this. Pathfinder for Savage Worlds pre-orders are open to the public. You I could, saw that
1: today. I was like, "Oh, here we go!"
0: Yeah, the pledge manager is open. That is scary. Um, I'm sure Christine and uh, Chelsea are getting floods of emails of "I've I've backed it late. Give me my digital copies now." Uh, emails.
1: Yeah. So, well, I did something today that I said I was not going to do, and I, I upgraded to the full both box sets. So I spent another 250 bucks <laughs> because I'm like, I'm going to want it in physical <laughs> copies at some point. So I'm just like, just do it.
0: Yeah. I knew, but-
1: I, knew I was going to, I talked a big game about oh, I'm not going to spend extra money. Yeah.
0: The box sets are hot. That's really where it's they at. Are, anymore, they are. So.
1: Well, and you get the chase deck and I really, I'm really interested about the chase deck. I really want to be able to play with that. And I just, just have a physical copy in my hands. I, I, I should have just done it in the beginning because I knew I was going to. But, you know, I tried to tell myself I, I was only going to spend, you know, that, that X amount of money and, and I was going to be happy with it. And, you know, didn't
0: yeah, I really want the chase deck. I burned many uh, candles, uh, the midnight oil, whatever you call it, to, to do that video that um, Simon and Jody and Shane did. Right, for the yep. chase deck. The, uh, All of all of the animations were custom done. So yes. that was frame by frame. And um, when you really get to know it that well, it's like, oh, I really like this. I want to play with it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the chase stick looks pretty hot. I'm excited about it.
1: Well, and something else kind of exciting also just got announced, and that's Flash Gordon. Flash yeah, Gordon. The, the, new, the new Flash Gordon uh, book is coming out, uh, launching the 18th of this month on mm-hmm. Game on Tabletop, same place they just did ETU. And that's Moons of Mongo,
0: yeah, so the book there's a book a content book called Moons of Mongo, which has got um two different sets of adventures and uh like multi part adventures and then I think I think we are announcing I think we're calling the whole crowdfunder the Legends of Mongo, because in addition to the new content, there's actually a ton of um gaming material like pawns like i think over a oh, nice. hundred that are for the entire flash series so the you know the earlier Flash books didn't come and boxes didn't come with pawns, so I think they're going to release pawns um, and that goodies all those goodies for like the entire Flash thing. So it's not just that like, there's the, the content is Moons of Mongo and then the box set I think is Legends of uh, Mongo, which is like double double meaning double meaning for Legends. Like it's got the story Legends, but it's also got like a notable figures Legends, right? Like both definitions of Legend. Right. So, okay. Simon came up with that clever little title, and uh, so I think we're running with Legends of Mongo for that. So that's actually that's nice. really cool. That's That was still coming together on what we should call it um, is, as recently as, like, I don't know, an hour ago. And um, so I'm
1: looking at my calendar over here on my wall. So the 18th is a Tuesday. Tuesday. So Tuesday, May 18th.
0: Yes. So I think technically, what, well, it'll be a week from when this goes up live is we'll put this live on Tuesday the 11th. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So a week from when you guys are watching this live, um, it will be <laughs> of Mongo, Legends of Mongo all of the Flash Gordon time. And, wait, you uh, for, you
1: forgot to go live.
0: Well, so like we're, we're not live, 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 live now. Um, I mean, technically we're live. Like I'm alive. You're alive. Right. Like, That's you know, true. Like,
1: oh, oh wait, am, am, I, am I breaking the am I am I like giving out secrets I shouldn't be giving out?
0: No, no, no. I mean, like, I mean, maybe a meteor will come and crash before Tuesday. And so when this gets uploaded and like set on the internet to to broadcast on Tuesday, we'll all be dead and none of us will be live and it'll go out there to other people who technically are probably killed by the meteor or whatever it is. Um, But, you know, Peter and Calvin are alive. I mean, Calvin's marginally alive. Like maybe he might be he might be a robot or an insectoid. Are, are insects alive? Is that really life? Are they really? Um, but yeah, no. So we're doing this early because Calvin is like nine time zones ahead of where we are, and so really can't be on the show when we need to air it on Tuesday. So we're doing it early. So that's why we're that's why this week we are recording. Um, let's see. Okay, other news. Yeah, okay. the, uh, <laughs> because you know our not bugs we, alive.
1: Not, not that we ever get off on tangents. No,
0: no, never. The um, so the uh, ETU City abroad is out. Also, and then they've also released the so the book's out, the archetypes, the postcards, the updated figure flats. I think those are all. Well, I think postcards were, were exclusive to the crowdfunder, but the the archetype cards and the figure flats and all those things are released. So if you didn't get in the study abroad goodness, um, you can hop on that now. And the um, it's on the pin physical site and on. You can also go and be a late backer on game on tabletop if you want the physical rewards, but if you just want the PDFs. Um, you can grab the PDFs um, of etu study abroad at the pinnacle website, and then let uh, see. Oh, other news. Oh, so um, on Tuesday, so after before this launch, I think we'll we'll air this later in the afternoon. Um, one of the articles for the news is the Deadwood historical attractions. Uh, that you guys can can enjoy in Deadwood. That'll be, um, I think most of them will be included in the the pass. Um, some of them, some will be optional um, because they're a little little more expensive, um, and not everyone can do all of them. But the some cool stuff to announce for you guys for that is the um, we're looking into an 1880 train ride. So it was like a historical train ride. Uh, that would be so awesome. They do some really fun stuff on the train ride that, you know, like involves weapons and actors. So just saying that might be it's it's more than just a leisurely little train ride, choo choo, choo, chugga chugga choo choo, choo, choo choo. Um there's some good like shootout fun that can be had on that. And then um let's see there's uh, Tatanka, which is a Tatanka story of the bison, which in Colorado we call Buffalo because Buffalo sounds so much better than bison. Um Buffalo, go buffalo. Um The CU University of Colorado team is the Buffaloes, so um, I'm a fan, anyways. The uh, that's a really cool exhibit that um, Kevin Costner put together, and then the all around town in Deadwood. Um, there's like a historical pass combo that everybody will get. You can go visit the Adams Museum, which Fox and I visited. We we spent like a lot longer in there than I thought we would. It was a really cool, it was probably three hours, maybe
1: a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I mean you can breeze through faster, but I mean the exhibits are actually really cool, yeah. and um, there's, that was reading, there's
1: reading involved,
0: right? Well, I mean we're gamers, so yeah. and, it was yeah. it
1: was really fun. I re- that was probably my favorite museum that we went to.
0: Yep, and then there's the brothel, which I spent what, three minutes and three hundred dollars, and I mean never mind. Um, there's the brothel, which we actually didn't go to, um, but it's nope. um, I think it was I wasn't even open when we were there. No, um, they were no. just doing it. But there's there's actually apparently a new the brothel Deadwood where they just talk about you know. Um, that aspect of Deadwood historically, which is pretty cool. And then uh, we went to Days of 76 and spent a good long time there because there were actually, like, Landau carriages in the basement because they did part of the thing in the Days of 76. Um, They do, like, the top level has got a lot of Deadwood history and rodeo and cowboy history. And then in the basement, they've got like engines, trains, and ma- modes of conveyance history. Yeah, wagon,
1: wagons and stagecoaches and a uh, funeral wagon and all kinds of stuff. It was really yeah. pretty neat. So and like, then to know that one of the wagons your family right? made. So, yeah. pretty yes, the, cool. So, yeah. So, for,
0: for those of you who, like, aren't in the know, um, there's a really cool carriage maker. So, Landau is, like, a village in Germany and, like, Bavaria. And um, which still, like, the whole area still has, like, a lot of automotive you know, like Stuttgart and, um, you know, kind of the racing heritage of German engineering and cars and stuff. So that whole area is still very, they've always been very automobile-centered. But even before engines and, you know, the there was a uh, uh, carriage makers that were famous from Landau. And the if you've seen like the inaugural carriages and the wedding carriages from like the queen of England and like the, the the marriage, Um, a couple of those are Landau carriages and the, the the, the cursive L that you see on the back of like some seventies era Cadillacs um, is a, in a little window that are kind of in the back of like, I mean, like Lincoln town cars had them. They call it the, that's the L for Landau and like the little windows that are in the backs, like behind the two, like, you know, passenger side, rear passenger, and then the little tiny windows. They call them a landau window. So the reason they call those landaus or landau windows is that the um the landau the L was actually part of the bracket that allowed the uh carriage's top to come back and then the little tiny window would fold in. So the um you know so modern cars like the Cadillacs with like the cloth roofs, like those cloth roofs don't retract anymore. It's just, a, it's totally visual. Um, but those little L's are, they, those are still emblematic of when the carriages had those features. And so, you know, luxury carriages had them. And so the macadies had them. So anyways, um, so yeah, so there, cool... there's
1: your, your carriage lesson.
0: Right. Everyone needed to know about carriages tonight. I don't know. They're like Carriages and bugs are going to be our things for tonight. That's right. Uh, um, so besides that, there's a cool um, new release from Sound Booth Theater. If you guys haven't like looked at these yet, they're super affordable. They're like two bucks a piece.
1: My um, thought is they're 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 coming out uh, fast and furious, and that they're, they're pretty fun to listen to. Put them bump. Sorry.
0: Yes, they are very savage in that nature. Um, and a lot of them. So like, there's there's was like a, a one from Shane, and a couple of them that aren't in um the same vein, but the uh, a bunch of them are necessary evil, and. So there's a lot. If you need to get your Necessary Evil um, vibe on, there's some really good stories from Clint and from several other writers in the Necessary Evil universe. And uh, they're really kind of, they're high quality. I really enjoy listening to them. And um, so, yeah, if you haven't picked those out, this one is called Thicker Than Water. And uh, our own Clint wrote it. So pick that one up.
1: And Arknight, uh, guys who do the flat plastic miniatures have uh, Deadlands and Last Parsec miniatures out.
0: Those are cool. So they're like a special licensee. Like they're one of the few licensees that has licensed um brand, like Savage Worlds setting stuff. So they're doing like Deadlands and last parsec. And it's actually Deadlands art and last parsec art. So that's actually yeah. pretty cool.
1: Yeah. It, you could use those to complement, you know, if you have the pawns from the last Kickstarter, you know, you could use you could use those in combination with those and, and have quite a few minis.
0: Yeah, I did their big Kickstarter and got a bunch of their sets, to, and I used them on the cruise because their pirate set is really hot. And then their last Kickstarter, they did mounts. So they actually did little printed plastic mounts so you can, like, have a horse or a dragon, and you put your little flat plastic miniature on top of it so you have a, you know, dragon rider or a horse rider. And, That's pretty um, cool. Yeah, right? I haven't gotten those yet because I haven't told I moved, and I didn't tell them my new address yet. So I actually need to do that. Maybe I'll do that during the show. Instead of asking questions, I'll go off and fill out my pledge manager for them. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's see. Other good stuff. In the publishing on Peg's Twitch channel, um, yesterday we aired the VTT talk with Joseph Schnurr and he gave a really awesome tour of the um, foundry. Um, vehicle VTT for Savage Worlds, really cool virtual tabletop platform uh, that has gotten a lot of love from uh, our team, our VTT team, putting stuff out. So if you haven't checked out Foundry, it's, it's pretty cool. I think the um, it one is really gorgeous, and I think the learning curve is pretty decent. And um, so dig that if you feel. And then Joseph's a cool guy. Joseph, uh, he talks a lot, like the rest of us do. So you will like Joseph. <laughs>
1: All right. Oh, and Sean Roberson uh, on the Voice of Hope podcast. So uh, riffs—if you're needing some riffs, you can go uh, to the Voice of Hope and listen to Sean. Uh, was that just an interview?
0: Yeah, they did an interview with him talking about riffs. And um, the uh, Sean's a cool dude. I got to meet him when he came out to Colorado, for one of the last cons we did. And then um, just seeing that like, there's there's big riffs projects in the works, and I think they've been announced probably. Um, but the we've got the projects they're they're upcoming. Um, sooner than you probably would guess. And then um we're gonna we're doing some uh, AP planning for those right now. So nice. uh, I'm excited for that. So that's really, And then tonight, we've got uh, the fellows behind Stinkers and spores. Um, they just released Pirates of the Still Sea, which is their second adventure, but we're gonna talk to them about all of it, that and uh, the rest of thing. So we'll uh, we'll welcome them on the show after our awesome little interview interlude, our interlude music. So um, they're coming up after a few seconds, guys. So, welcome to the show, Calvin and Peter. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Great. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, before we got had to do the news, we were, like, getting deep into, like, entomology um, and etymology, actually, because we had th- – th- there was th- – what is a daddy long legs? And there's there's there's, there's a couple answers. So we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. So, guys um, – <laughs> I just like to the call it bug talk. Right? Bug talk. The um, – yeah, so welcome to the show. So, uh, tell us um, – Before we get to the awesomeness that is um, gaming as bugs, um, which is pretty out there, but um, pretty awesome, Uh, tell us who you guys are, where you live, uh, how did you get into gaming, and then how did you find Savage Worlds?
2: Peter, you want to start?
0: Sure.
3: Uh, My name's Peter Saloom. I'm uh, I'm from Massachusetts. Uh, Got into gaming kind of like everybody else probably like super long time ago, Dungeons and Dragons, second edition. And got into writing kind of because of that too, I guess. We, like, I couldn't afford any of the modules. All we had was like the player's handbook. And so everything else had to come out of just making it up. And it wasn't like writing to create a product, it was writing so that we had something to do on Friday night, you know? Um, and yeah, one thing led to another. And been writing games for a long time personally and just for a short period of time here for any type of publication.
1: And how'd you find Savage Worlds?
3: Wow. Um, maybe so four or five years ago, I w- I found some YouTube video that said, try these RPG systems that aren't bad, like dungeons. <laughs> it was like something like that. I actually, It, it that. was like not a fair video. It, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it was like yeah. rather, rather disparaging, but, but, uh, but that was, like, one that was in there that I Googled, and for some reason it was just uh, coincidental and serendipitous, and it was awesome.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I actually remember that video.
3: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was just something that I found, yeah.
1: It was like, yeah, something like 10, 10 RPGs that are yeah. better than Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, or, yeah,
0: it was just like,
1: like that. Yep. Yeah, yeah yep. I, rem- I remember that one. <laughs>
0: Well, it sure did a great job of preventing people from playing Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, their sales are really in the pits, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're... <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: they, they, they've dropped
0: off just a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dungeons and what? Does anyone <laughs> know? People play that game? What? What is that? Uh, so, Calvin, Calvin, where are you from, and how would you get into gaming, and how would you find Savage Worlds?
2: Uh, I'm from uh, North Carolina, uh, like every other Savage Worlds publisher, apparently. There's a ridiculous <laughs> amount of them over there. Um, Let's see. I live in Taiwan now. Uh, I've gotten to gaming in 2009. Let's see. It would have been my second year of college. Uh, my stepbrother, no, he wasn't my stepbrother yet. Our parents hadn't married, uh, but we were good friends, uh, started, uh, playing Deadlands with me. Deadlands classic. Oh,
3: wow.
2: Yeah. That's what I started with. Um, I, I, wow. I still remember, uh, our very first round of combat, my character who was a cavalry officer with a saber drew a joker, um, decapitated the boss of that encounter with the first turn. I told him to quit while he was ahead and my gaming it's been all downhill from there. And and he ended up just ahead.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And actually Uh, uh, Calvin and I have actually gamed together.
2: Yeah, yeah. I lived in Colorado uh, and Wyoming together combined for about a year. And when I lived in Cheyenne the the closest game was down in uh, Fort Collins. So yeah, I was driving a while for that. Uh, yeah, for, for some reason I've just lived in all the places where there are, uh, collections of, uh, yeah, Savage Worlds players. Uh, it's been entirely coincidence. Uh, and then in terms of, uh, publishing history, uh, I published Gods and Masters in 2019, I think it was. That sound about right? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. 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 It's on the background. <laughs>
0: yes. Hint, hint.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Peter's one of those super fans who were like, notice me, senpai, I have your book. Or maybe you're like Rommel and you're like or um Patton, you're like Rommel, I bet you I read your book, you magnificent bastard,
2: so. yeah, that's actually how we um uh met up or, or we we haven't actually met up, but that's how we got in touch uh is, yeah, he was a uh, a backer on that, yep, and that's yeah, correct. I was just interested in doing some writing
0: yeah well and and during the pre show it turns out this is the first time you've heard each other's voices, yeah
1: yep. yeah that's I crazy think, I think so, yeah, See, yeah. savage Cast, we bring people together, we do that's true. It's There's all about such... harmony.
0: Oh, God. Yes. Yes. Discordant, yes. screechy cats being strangled harmony. But still, harmony nonetheless. Because Exactly. Harmony's harmony is <laughs> harmony. You can't oppress me with your Western music paradigms that require nice sounding harmonies. No. No. We're, we're, we're going for that, like, you know, operatic stuff that just sounds like, yeah, that's what we're doing. That's
1: what we do. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Stingers and Spores, tell us, what what is this game? Uh, so it,
2: in in terms of genre, it's pretty stock fantasy, honestly. You, you have all the classes. Oh yeah, yeah, you have elves insects. and
0: dwarves and wizards. Yeah, totally stock fantasy. I mean, it's got wizards.
2: Uh, <laughs> it does. It
1: does, and it's and it's got, it's got guards got and it's got clerics.
2: Yeah, pl- yeah, it's got all that stuff. But all the uh, characters are insects. And uh, unlike you, you, know, I'm not the the first person to do a uh, an insect, sort of a humanoid insect themed thing, although I was surprised at how underrepresented it is in the, uh, the RPG genre. But, you know, there have been movies about this sort of thing, like uh, A Bug's Life, uh, Ants, uh, a lot of, like, children's cartoons from, like, the 80s and 90s and things like that. But uh, Steams and Spores is, as far as I can find, the first one that really gets into just how weird everything is. Uh, you know, uh, like, uh, Pixar made things a little too normal honestly if that makes any sense you know i'm not afraid to jump into like the uh oh the sexual cannibalism you know that's all in there the really weird life cycles uh, metamorphosis uh, just the size discrepancy between all these things and yeah I, I tried to make as plausible of an insect society as i possibly could given the scientific realities of you know what's happening and yeah,
0: no, I found your, like, the, the, the very first paragraph in your book actually is very evocative of, like, what this crazy setting is, and uh, I will take producer honors to read it. Hi, fantasy meets entomology and stingers and spores, a romp across the mysterious and perilous lands of the insect kingdoms. Experience this new and exciting world from compound eyes of the bugs who live there. Ascend to staggering heights in the trunks of tremendous trees, marching to the songs of cricket bards. Witness the decay and ethereal beauty of the sacred fungal groves while moth clerics make offerings to their powerful deities. Zzz, zzz, zzz. Uh, yeah. Are there bug zappers? Like, is there, you know, are there humans with like bug zappers in here thing too? Because that'd be awesome. Anyways, if there's not, whatever, my idea, give me credit, um, make it happen. <laughs> the, uh, study the arcane art of silk spinning in the beautiful, but isolated flower fields under the guidance of butterfly wizards. Oh, there are wizards. Look at this. Complete with the higher mysteries and the study of the war path in the hives of honeybee monks cross blades with beetle knights who have studied combat since grubhood on the floating tourney grounds of the Lotus pads fight for survival in the towering weeds against enraged swarms of Hornet barbarians and deep in the blackest tunnels beneath the earth encounter tiny and terrible gods who should have remained buried. Yeah, that's pretty cool, dude. Like, I think that's pretty unique. I don't, I don't see you copying like that's not Pixar. Pixar did not have tiny and terrible gods who should not be on un- earth so i think that was just
3: the back of the vhs box for a bug's life that was just <laughs> written on there
0: yeah <laughs> right. yeah and then, and then they gave us like david warburton doing schlock right yeah. <laughs> this movie did not deliver terrible tiny gods who should not have been on earth um, i do kind of find it funny that both of those movies came out at about the exact same time um that was by design. Yeah. Oh, right. Well, that was the thing, right? Like, they, were they copying each other? Did someone pitch one-to-one studio? They're like, we should do that in-house and not pay these idiots who are pitching it to us. And then, like, the other studio, like, you kind of wonder how those happen.
2: Uh, th- this was a thing for a while. Like, um, uh, you, you know, the Madagascar movies? Uh, there was it's, – it's it's DreamWorks that did that one, I think. Uh I think but- so. Disney Maybe. did one that also had like a talking lion and some other animals at pretty much the same time that no one remembers. Uh, what, what happens is one of them will, you know, uh, have like an internal memo and then there's, you know, some sort of like industrial espionage. And then the other studio will try to beat them to the punch. And sometimes they actually get it out quicker. Uh, so take advantage you know,
0: of all that sweet, sweet marketing money the other studio is spending on the movie. Yeah, Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Like, for, like, one year, like, I mean, one year in Hollywood, I have to go back and see what year it was, but man-eating pigs was a theme in, like, four different movies. Like, one of them was definitely a a Hannibal movie, but, like, three or four other movies had man-eating pigs, and I'm like, seriously, which one writer in Hollywood who has a fetish for man-eating (laughs) pigs is either working on all these or pitched it to multiple studios and, like, or was there a cocktail party they were all at and someone's like, hey, did you know that a pig can devour a man in six minutes flat, including the bones? And um, so, yeah, like Deadwood had it. The TV show was Woo, Wu had his man-eating pigs. And then like the, you know, but there was like several of them like, man, there was definitely some like Hollywood crossover for man-eating pigs this year. Like whatever, like maybe they pulled a uh, plot threads out of hats and they're like, you know, <laughs> man-eating pigs came up, but. Anyways, there aren't enough movies about bugs, especially bugs where you get to be the bugs. And and so, I mean, how how did? Are you a bug dude? Are do you like bugs? Do you own bugs? What's where does the bugs come from?
2: Well, I am now. Uh, It didn't start out that way. I started writing this before any of that happened. Uh, Now, bug trivia is like sixty percent of my personality. I hate to say it. (laughs) But it was not. psychedelic.
0: Yeah, you were, you were you were doing mushrooms or something. Is that the spores? <laughs> I mean, if it wasn't the bugs, it must be the spores. So you were your spore guy before? Is that <laughs> just kidding. So yeah, so what do you own now? Like where what, what's your what's your favorite bug? We were we were hinting, like uh Peter asked you before, like how many bugs do you own? So I'll repeat that now. <laughs> how many bugs do you own, Calvin, pretending I'm asked this insightful deep question? I was just trying
3: actually... to bait him into admitting that he owns bugs now because of
0: this. <laughs>
2: Uh, my first one is, uh, she's she's an adult already. She's a uh, uh, a rainbow stag beetle. They're from Australia. They're uh, size plus two if we're talking Savage Worlds. Um, Let's we'll see. Uh, yeah, they got some nice color on them. Uh, she lives in a little tank uh, and eats jelly all day. Uh, like like regular fruit jelly. Like you can eat it yourself. It's, it's just banana fruit jelly. And then I have a grub uh, for a, um, uh, a goliath beetle. Hold on. I have a picture. Or wait, you have a picture too,
0: oh, but yes, your pictures
2: yes. don't show actual size. Mine do. Oh, All right, wow. so we're yeah, a yeah, size. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. All right, you see this bad boy, and here's my hand for comparison. Also, oh, oh, wow. you see the grub down there. Yeah, that's right. about how big he is. Oh wow, oh, that's yep. cool. Yeah, yeah, he's like a small hot dog at this point. Uh, I mean, for that's the most part, cool. he just has a—he's he, a pet hole in the ground for the most part. I uh, change his dirt uh, once every couple of weeks. I drop in fish food pellets, which disappear, so I know he's still alive, and uh, that, yeah, that's about it. But he's due in a couple months. He will pupate and, yeah, go into a big chrysalis made from his own dung, and then he will come out, this giant, magnificent beetle, and then he will eat fruit jelly, too. Oh,
1: that's really cool. <sighs> that's really cool. So
0: I, I th- Okay, so I think grubs are are kind of the like that's my grossness on on like the bug one is just what what just like the sack and the squishy and there there was definitely one of the movies definitely had some grubbage
2: and that was uh, just, I think that one was ants
0: yeah and I, I mean also like if you remember like one of the aliens movies totally did the whole like queen separating from her body and and like this Even though it was, like, you know, the carapace or whatever for, like, birthing, it was totally still grubby, like, translucent, and, you know, you could tell it was probably some huge thing, animatronic, with people inside making it move, but, um... mm, mm. So, uh, do they have names? Like, does your beetle and your grub, have you named
2: them yet? Uh, yeah, uh, Muller is, uh, the Australian stag beetle, because that's based (laughs) off of the, uh, scientific name. Hold on, uh, I can't remember what it is off the top of my head. It's something, uh... Mullerai, yeah. So he, Muller he, he, u- he also kind of updates crazy.
3: his uh, he also yes. updates social media with pictures
2: of these these uh, Fala
0: grubs. Fala Muller Mullerai.
2: Yeah, that's the one. And then uh, the other one is uh, named uh, Tito because I-, I named him after uh, one of the characters in the uh, the plot point campaign that I'm working on. He's a giant grub prince.
1: Wow! <laughs> oh, cool! Excellent! Actually really cool. I'll actually
2: be, uh, you know, I've been statting uh, different uh, bug species on uh, like uh, social media pages and whatnot. His will be coming out in the next couple days because the artwork for him is all done.
1: Yeah, we're going to we're going to do that here in a little bit. We're going to uh, stat out a bug. Right. You still up for that? Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. I've got it written down.
1: Yeah. We'll, okay. do that here. we'll do that here in a little bit. So a few things that I mean, a number of things stood out to me uh, during my read through. Um, I love how you did measurements. So you kind of talk to tell people how you how you measure distance in your game, because I thought that was really, really very cool. Um, and, And I also just like how time flows for the bugs. I found that really interesting as well. So talk a little bit about some of the some of the bug things that you came up with to really solidify. What you're doing in your setting and then i know you've got some some uh setting rules which i love when people you know do new setting rules and their setting rules really bring that to to their setting they flush it out is what i'm trying to say so tell us a little bit about a little bit setting wise and and some of those things and how you came up with those
2: uh well in terms of uh units of measurement uh actually what you haven't seen is i finally did a a conversion table I, i had to stat this out and i wanted something where the measurements would be understandable in real life and also on the tabletop if you're using, yeah, the mat. So uh, the standard unit of measurement is called a wing, which is a half inch, or a wingspan, which would be, you know, a full inch. Uh, Let's see, uh, a blade, like a blade of grass, is roughly equal to like 100 feet for a bug, uh, and it's 15 inches in real life. A log is roughly a mile, or you know, 1.6 kilometers if you're not American, and uh, that is 65 feet or 20 meters thereabouts.
1: Yeah, it's kind of kind of cool reading reading along, and 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 you know, you're, you know, this is two logs away, and I was like, that's really pretty cool. <laughs> kind of like that.
3: Yeah, size is such terms. a big deal in in this setting too. Like when you're thinking about how to write an adventure or set something up, you have to think about the size of your your heroes or the space that they inhabit and the distance and it's just totally different than writing other scenarios like an entire you know an entire series of adventures can happen in a hole in a rotten log on the ground in the forest right and that could be an entire settlement for some species of insect so I excuse mean, If you flip
2: over a rock in the forest, how many bugs are you going to see under there? Right,
3: you you find a whole community, yeah.
2: Well, and, like, being eaten is actually a much larger
0: concern for most, like, player characters in the setting than it would be in others because, you know... It's not just like dragons that eat you like pretty much you're eating or are going to be eaten by pretty much everything else around. I mean, you know, there's vicious animal. Well, yeah. insect. I mean, insects are animals, right? Yes. Technically. Yes. Yes. True. Animalia. Yes, they are. Okay. So we you know animal on animal violence. And <laughs> so, I mean, how do you handle, so the question, like, do is language a thing? Do you, how do you handle communication?
2: Oh, yes. uh, so there are a few different languages. Uh, skittery is basically the common tongue for, um, most bugs. Uh, but then you have different variants that uh, kind of reflect different lifestyles. So uh, flutter and all is the one for uh, butterflies and moths, which is kind of like the uh, the analog to elven language. Uh, they're, they're the bugs who kind of stay separated from everyone else. You know, they're in their cushy flower fields, you know, separated from the cares of more grounded insects. And right, people think right. of them as being kind of snobbish. Uh, Buzzspeak is the one for uh, bees and hornets. And other flying critters and you know how uh, bees communicate in real life by dancing. So we added that in there. Uh, So a bee can be sitting down and they can talk, uh, but it's very emotionless. They have no way of conveying (laughs) sincerity or feeling, but when they dance, they, you know, they're jumping up and down and Oh, you you can feel the, uh, the emotion. Uh, Yeah. So there's a few like that. Uh, Silk tongue is the one that spiders use, which most insects find just inherently creepy. Uh, but it is important for spell casting with yeah. certain arcane backgrounds. Uh, yeah, so there's a, a bunch of those. I don't want it to be a huge um, uh, obstacle to overcome right uh, But I, I feel it, it you know it's really essential to put in some uh, flavor. So I give everyone the uh, the linguist edge. Uh, th- there's a setting rule for that, I believe. yeah, because I, I kind of want to hand wave it, but on the other hand, it does need to be conveyed.
1: I think bus week would be, be really fun to, to play as a GM. I think that, I think that you could really do a lot with that. I, I think that would be a lot of fun. Yep.
2: Yeah. I was running uh, Peter's uh, adventure um, back in play testing. I don't know. It was a couple of months ago now. And the queen bee that they interact with was talking like this at the beginning in the throne room, but after she saw them in action, she jumped up and they just saw like a totally different side of her, but.
1: Yeah, I hadn't seen before. Yeah, and I, 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 the funny thing is, is with all this, I sent, I sent Calvin an email, and I was talking, and I, and as I f- was finishing up my read through, I just sent him, sent him an email, and I, I think I just said, I really like what I'm reading. I only have really one thing to say: hornets are dicks.
3: <laughs> yeah, p- pure and simple, pretty much. Yeah, I did a, I did some editing for um for calvin as well and i had to read through a long list of his s- statted out uh like pre-statted insect archetypes and yes i came up with that that same basic uh takeaway after reading through that it was like this is these are not friendly to be no, around.
1: At
3: all. <laughs> these are not pleasant
0: pleasant insects so
1: this might <laughs> if, if you was, just, go ahead I was going to say, if you
2: play a hornet, it's basically implied you're 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 essentially playing like uh, is it is it Drow or Drow? Uh, I don't know. I always say uh, Drow. Dark elves. Uh, you, know, you know, the idea is that you come from a culture that is you know just inherently hostile for largely religious reasons. And if you're yeah. a player character, you've kind of separated yourself from that. So like the uh, the pregen and the adventure held of the hornet uh, kind of learned the hard way that you know might doesn't always make right, but if she encounters other hornets in the adventure, you know, they see her as like the worst kind of traitor.
3: Right.
1: Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about your, your character creation. And then, uh, I'd like to put a picture of, uh, the bug that I sent you. Uh, so tell us a little bit about it. Cause I, it's, it's a little bit different, uh, not overly different, but you know, there are differences from, from suede to what you did in there. So let's talk about a little bit about it and then we'll, uh, talk about, uh, how we can make the bug that I sent you in, into a, a player character?
2: Yeah. Uh, well, one thing I will say uh, straight up is uh, there have been some changes since we released the player's guide. Uh, I am going to update the player's guide, or sorry, not the player's guide, the uh, jumpstart. I will update the jumpstart before we go to Kickstarter just to reflect a little more closely what this setting has morphed into. So that way, you know, backers really know what they're uh, they're getting. Uh, the big difference that we've uh, made is instead of having uh, plus two races. Uh, we've changed it to plus four. And the reason for that is just because bugs have so many abilities that uh, you just can't capture them all with plus two. I decided that with plus four, you can throw in, you know, some uh, racial hindrances in there to give you a little more playing room. But that, that's that's generally a good number. Uh, but yeah, the uh, character creation chapter is actually gigantic. It's about half the book at this point. Uh, it's pushing 60 pages uh, oh, wow. just, just of text. Yeah, the art hasn't been inserted or anything uh and mostly it's because there is just a ridiculous amount of variability in insects on it i pride myself in saying that if the bug is not extinct you know it exists today we're not doing you know any of the prehistoric you know like cat sized dragonflies or anything like that but if it exists today and uh it's an insect you know not an arachnid or you know a centipede or anything like that you can play it we have everything you could possibly need in there So what you do is you take one of, I think they're up to like 12 now, insect archetypes that are all statted uh, with plus two racial bonuses, plus an edge, which brings them up to plus four. You take that and basically just switch stuff out until you get exactly what you want. And uh, I include two or three examples of every archetype kind of fine-tuned. So like for beetles, I throw in uh, like ladybug, uh, stag beetle, uh, Firefly, which is a kind of beetle and just, yeah, show the different directions you could go into it. With uh, Hornets, I think I throw in uh, Yellow Jackets, Murder Hornets, Bumblebees.
1: <laughs>
2: Gotta have the Murder Hornet. Yeah. Uh, they they live over here. Uh, although they live in the United States now, too. I keep seeing yeah, that popping up right. on the uh, the news. Well, yeah. they're supposed to live here. I know reason not to go to Taiwan. Rainforest.
1: Well, they can just stay in Taiwan. They're, they're, they're fine over there.
2: Right, well, are not the reason you don't want to be in the forest in Taiwan. And there's, there's much scarier stuff. A
1: lot more stuff that can, that can take you out. Oh yes.
3: I would also point out that, uh, you know, when, when Calvin mentions 60 pages for character creation, that can kind of sound maybe intimidating or, you know, to, to some players. And it's really not, I don't look at it as 60 pages of stuff you have to wrap your head around or, or adhere to. Um, a huge chunk of that is the work being already done for you and presented to you in archetypes so that you can kind of use that as your shortcut and branch off from there. Um, By no means a lot of examples. Yeah, right. He's got great, great examples and tons of them for, uh, I mean, I can't even list the amount of different bugs that are already in there. So those are just jumping off points to make a character. You really need to look at of those pages a handful of those pages, and you're on the right track to totally customizing one for yourself. Yeah, maybe
2: a dozen, and that's counting the gear. Yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not counting okay. equipment or anything right. like
2: that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the, the other thing that's in that chapter a lot is. uh, just kind of how they fit into the world. So uh, a lot of lore and their mythological origins as well. So the way I've done the insect gods is very similar to the, uh, the Greek gods, you know, they're petty, Uh, they're, uh, you know, sticking it into anything that moves uh, including, you know, each other, which is where all the the new bug species come from. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. They're capricious. Uh, You know, they have bad tempers. Uh, Yeah. And so all that's wrapped up in there as well.
1: Well, so hey, Chris, so can you uh, bring that picture up that I sent you? Oh
2: yes, yeah. So the challenge was.
1: So the challenge was that send me is. a bug, send me a bug, and I'll be we'll we'll stat it out, I, and we can give a quick example of of how you could possibly, we'll say possibly, make this bug in into a character. So I went online and I typed into Google really weird bugs.
0: Yeah, there should be a disclaimer warning. Like we like this is a visual
2: medium, like. Blaze yes. yourself, people! This...
1: Uh, you are about to see the a picture of a Brazilian tree hopper.
2: I showed mm. this picture to a coworker the other day, and it freaked him out. Uh, he yeah, has yes. um, what 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 is that fear that people have of like um like organic holes? Chipophobia That's the one. What? Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, there's. A lot of people that have it. I I had not heard of this before, but they're afraid of like um, lotus roots. You know how they're full of holes, uh, honeycombs. I I had a girlfriend for a while who was terrified of um, uh, what what, what are those things on the beach or like on boats that open and close their mouth? Barnacles. Yeah. So this was triggering his uh, (laughs) trypophobia.
1: Yeah, it was. It's pretty. It's weird. It is a weird looking.
2: It looks sick. And I don't mean, like, stinking rat. I mean, like, physically ill. It looks like it has, you know, a parasite or something in it. But it doesn't. Yeah. That's just how they look. Yeah, and there are some definitely weird... Do you have parasites in the book? Oh, yes. Uh, you can play a parasite. Uh, so some parasites are non-insects, you know, like worms, uh, fungus, that sort of thing. That's just a hindrance you can take. But you can also take a hindrance where you are the parasite and you have an insect host who... Could be your buddy. Uh, the, the way they deal with that is with uh, Parasite contracts. So, you know, both sides have provisions. The host provides, you know, blood or, you know, a place to live or whatever the case may be. And the Parasite gives some sort of um, uh, payment. You know, it, it could be... You, there, there are a few ways you could do that. You could have it where the uh, the Parasite is the smart one. You know, that's almost like a uh, Master Blaster sort of thing. Or, you know, it's a smart little guy and the big dumb one. Or you could have... Um, you know, the other way around where, you know, like the Liege Lord is this giant bug who has like, you know, a few like parasite minions that tag along. Uh, the the choice is yours.
0: Uh, that's
3: that's hilarious. That's we, really would, cool. we should also point out I, I, not to get too off topic here, but there's a, also a character class where you can play actually a a group of tiny. Well, we're going to get to that for this one. OK, great, great. I don't, yeah, I, I won't get too far into it.
1: Actually, so okay. give us so let's let's get down a down and dirty explanation of how you would make that thing. That's all. That's what we're going to call. It. I don't know what else to call it. It's a it's a thing. How would how would that translate into into the game?
2: Well, so I did a little research on this. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I'm, I'm a bug enthusiast, but I'm definitely not a bug expert. My uh, resources for this were Wikipedia and uh, Ranger Rick, of all places. They had uh, a couple of photographs and some bits on this. That was the only place where I could find any reference to how big they were. So we'll get to that later. All right. So, uh, yeah, starting with uh, plus four racial ability, uh, I use. Um, all right. So their abilities, they can jump. They can fly, not super well, but well enough, uh, and they have this thing on their head that looks like, I would describe it as a helicopter propeller with berries covered in hair on their head. Is that about right?
0: Yeah. That yeah.
2: Wonderful. That, yeah.
0: That's, that's generous and, and anatomical <laughs> while not being testicular. So <laughs> bravo, bravo.
2: It's, it's it's called a helmet. Uh, it does offer a little bit of protection. All right. So what I decided to do is uh, use uh, the grasshopper cricket archetype as the jumping off point.
0: Not bad. Right, so. Oh, jumping. Oh, love that. Love that.
2: Nice pun. Side note, uh, if you hate puns, uh, this product is not the one for you. Uh, I, I don't think
0: anybody who listens to our show can hate puns because... I love
2: them. so. <laughs> I have a, uh, another uh, author who's writing something about Japanese honeybees right now, which are a distinct species. He's not just having, you know, honeybees that act Japanese. And I said, if they don't follow the code of Bishido, I'm going to be pissed.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> ah, glorious. All right. So uh, they have the Leaper ability uh, from Savage Worlds, which allows them to jump double their pace. And I believe it's plus four to uh, wild attack damage. All right, that's standard. Uh, let's see. They have the flight ability. Now, there's different levels of flight in Savage Worlds. They have the basic one, the plus two ability. Uh, yeah, they can fly, but not great. Uh, I decided to give them uh, armor, which is plus one, uh, which is to say plus two armor levels, but it's a plus one bonus. Uh, and this is for tree hoppers in general. We'll get to why in a second. All right, and size plus one, because I didn't really know what size they were. All right, for uh, size plus one would be in the, like, 20 millimeter range, which, as far as I can find, is about as big as tree hoppers get. So, yeah, this this one would work for any tree hopper in general.
0: Some of them are much smaller, apparently. Some of them are like, five millimeters. Yeah, yeah, we're getting there.
2: All right, so, um, yeah, that's one thing to mention, is size works a little bit different in this game. So, normally, uh, I believe what Suede Core says is the smallest you can get is size minus two and the biggest is size plus two. We threw that out. Uh, Because if you look at, I want you to be able to play a gnat or, you know, that goliath beetle that we were showing you a little bit ago, which is, you know, the size of my hand. Uh, So the smallest you can be is size minus four and the biggest you can be is size plus four. Uh, Insects don't really get bigger than that for scientific reasons that have to do with blood circulation that we don't need to get into. Uh, (laughs) But the size zero is uh, just for an easy reference. And I figure they're kind of in the middle, uh, a honeybee. Everyone knows how big a honeybee is. Honeybee is size zero. That's our mm-hmm. reference. All right. So about the biggest, a treehopper would get a size plus one. So yeah, that's plus six in racial abilities right there. Uh, their penalty or their hindrance rather is uh, carefree, which is what crickets and grasshoppers have. You know, the whole idea of you know the they're just messing around and not preparing for winter. Uh, they're kind of oblivious. <laughs> Notice minus two, straight up. Just uh, chirping a <laughs> the, the last thing that we include in stingers and spores is uh, what we call trade-offs. So there are, it, it was basically a way to add even more abilities to a, a bug that you can do without much of a second thought because they're self-balancing. So the idea is that they're useful in some situations and not useful in other situations. So the trade-off in this case is called a uh, perfect camouflage. So pretty much every tree hopper I could find looks like something, with the exception of the one that we're looking at right now. So if you were doing a (laughs) treehopper that looks like a thorn, uh, they would have plus four stealth in any situation where they can plausibly disguise themselves as a thorn, which is a huge bonus, and to compensate for that, it is a minus two stealth in every other situation. So they're not going to be blending in very well, except in this one case. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, So we have a few trade-offs
2: like that. Uh, But that is a tree hopper in general. So, uh, like I said, I, I found Ranger Rick and they had a photograph of the specific tree hopper that you found. And apparently they're only like two millimeters long, which is about as small as they can get. Uh, so, playing, if, if we're thinking of uh, honeybees as being human size, this means that a Brazilian tree hopper is like the size of a mouse. That's kind of broken to play as a character on its own. So when you get below size minus three, when you get to size minus four, uh, you don't play a single insect. You play something called a horde. A horde is basically uh, a couple hundred small insects that have sort of a collective uh, consciousness. You know, like the uh, the school of fish from uh, Finding Nemo that kind of, you know, moves into whatever yeah. shape it wants yeah. and acts on its own. Oh, yeah. So that's how I would handle specifically the Brazilian tree hunt.
1: Oh, actually, that's a,
2: that's uh, a great, so, great idea. uh Hordes have a few more edges and hindrances than most. I think they're the most, uh s- like, swingy stat that I have. You know, there's some situations where they're going to be great, and others where they just run up against a wall. So the yeah. stats for that one. All right, there's a lot here. There's like 12 different points. All right, some of them, yeah, self balancing. Some of them edges. Some of them hindrances. All right, so. Uh, they're an amorphous mass, meaning that they can change shape. They can, you know, fit into tight spaces. If you have a jail, you you know, regular bars aren't going to hold them in. You basically need to throw them in a bucket with a good lock. Uh, let's see. They have the basic flight, the plus, the plus two flight ability. Uh, they are made up of individual hordlings, uh, who are under the control of the GM, by the way. So the idea is that their individual personalities might not be all that similar to their collective personality when they separate too much from the uh the horde you know suddenly they're feeling scared they want to run away but together they're you know very brave and maybe have a bit of an inferiority complex That's you know, everyone good who thing. was treating them like crap when they were individuals suddenly has something to fear uh but <laughs> the, really. the reason i threw that in there is because i don't want someone saying oh i'm just going to send two hordelings to scout ahead no no they get scared they run away they get eaten yeah they're they're completely not in the uh control of the GM. as long as they stay together they're fine Uh, And there are some edges they can take later, which allow them to split into slightly smaller groups. But you're never going to have, like, yeah, two Hordlings, you know, running ahead and doing a bunch of shenanigans. I get
0: Gang Up Bonus from 35,000 gnats. Yeah, no.
2: Now, you can split in two and get Gang Up Bonus uh, if you take the right edge, but that that sort of thing is not free. All right, uh, the big downside, you cannot heal them normally. Healing rolls do not work, either natural, you know, like first aid, or for magic. The reason for that is because a wound on a horde does not reflect a single wound. It affects, you know, like there might be 40 or, you know, 400 right. hordelings getting hurt. So you would have to apply first aid to every single one of them. You, you want to waste the power points on that? I mean, you go for it. But uh, effectively, they cannot be healed by any means. All right. Uh, they have no vital organs, obviously. I mean, the individual ones do, but, yeah, you know, stabbing the head shape that they make is not actually doing any additional damage. Uh, they do have regeneration. So, the the idea is that Hordlings live and die in a shorter lifespan than most bugs do, so they will naturally heal themselves and, you know, reproduce when nobody's looking, you know. <laughs> Don't look inside of a Hordling's, you know, like, backpack. Armor. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, anytime they can get a little private time. Yeah, so they, they, they can heal themselves, uh, but you're not going to be doing any healing for them. They are resistant to piercing damage. Uh, piercing damage, arrows, spears, that sort of thing does half damage because, you know, if you shoot a giant mass of bugs, you know, you're, you're going to kill a couple of them, but not enough to really make a difference. Uh, they are squishy in general. They have minus one toughness because you're not you know swinging a weapon against a single exoskeleton, but like a soft, you know, fleshy mass. Uh, they have a weakness to area of, of effect weapons. So it's an extra plus four damage. Uh, spider webs, uh, you know, and anything that uses a uh, a blast template uh, is going to really wreck them. Uh, let's see. And then the other stuff that I already, you know, mentioned for having a tree hopper in general. So throw in the carefree hindrance, uh, throw in the leaper ability. And in this case, I, I was I was researching what that, berry helicopter thing is actually for, and <laughs> no one is really sure there are there are a couple of guesses uh, so uh, a lot of tropical bugs haven't been researched all that well uh you know because just, there's a shortage of entomologists in uh you know rural brazil i guess in any case so, so there are some thoughts uh i've seen someone suggest that it's camouflage in like berries which kind of makes sense that. I guess. So if you, if you want to go that route, you could throw in the, uh, the perfect camouflage trade-off. Uh, the other one that, uh, people have said is that, uh, they look sick. So maybe, you know, bug predators see those and say, I don't know what that is. I don't want to eat it. So in that case, the trade-off I would throw in is uh, flashy. So flashy, uh, gives you plus one die type in either persuasion or intimidation. Uh, but it is minus four in the opposite.
0: I don't want to eat it. So I, I like that logic.
2: Yeah, it, so I would probably it, it, go with the intimidation when, in this case. Yeah, yeah plus it really one. It's intimidating.
0: It's yeah. working on you. <laughs> Even
2: if <laughs> you know hear. what cordyceps yeah. are, right? What's that? That's the uh, the fungus that sprouts out of a bug oh, okay, yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah, and they takes them over. Are. That's kind of what it looks like. So That's yeah, supreme. the thought is that they okay. might think that they're yeah.
1: See, I like the intimidation because if if one of those flew at me and landed on me, I would scream like a little girl.
2: I mean, you probably wouldn't notice as small as they are. Yeah, I, yeah I, that's a I good thing.
0: So, I mean, Fox mentioning this, like, so I had no idea until we actually got um, dive bombed by a miller moth during a Savage oh. Cast recording. So Fox doesn't like Moths.
1: So <laughs> <laughs> I have, yeah, I, I have, I have, I have two bug phobias: uh, miller moths and grasshoppers. Huh? huh. Those are I don't like things flying at me.
3: That's at all. For, you can be forgiven yeah. for that. <laughs>
2: A all bugs to be afraid of. Those <laughs> kind of surprise me. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I have a huge moth phobia. My <laughs> friends make so much fun of me because we, we'll have it here in Colorado. We have the, these the years where it'll just be an infestation of, of millers. Yeah, and it's. I have a horrible. I have a horrible summer. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't remember. Do they have roaches
2: much in Colorado? No. No. Nope. Right. Okay. All right. The ones
1: here fly. Oh God. See. Flying things. Why do things have to fly at you?
0: Like, we're lucky. So Colorado's way too high. So like you mentioned before, like, there's a, like the cap on insect size has to do with, like, the density of oxygen in the atmosphere. Um, yep. Kind of why, like, everyone was all like, you know, oh, greenhouse gases. Meh. Like, uh, you don't want to go back to the dinosaur era where you've got insects that are bigger than your car because there's much higher oxygen levels than we have today. And that's why the bugs are all small. So, yes, I'm, I'm totally happy being oxygen deprived if it means that, you know, Barely any insects, not too many mosquitoes, but the uh, it was funny we, we were talking in the pre-show about like you know there's really cute bugs like pill bugs. Pill bugs are cute, right? Like oh little roly polies.
1: Yeah, I'm at okay the, uh, the roly poly.
0: Right, and then then we got into centipedes and millipedes. And um, let's see where we're at. Let's see. Well, let's share. We'll do we'll do most more show and tell because this is hilarious. So <laughs> okay, <good>. window. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, so we got, like, over here, like, cute little, like, pill bugs, millipedes. Those are about as big as, like, a pea when they when they crawl up. But then you were talking about pill millipedes, which are, um, those are pretty big. Those are pretty, those are good-sized bugs. But the, I, I saw um, one on
2: vacation last year. I went into a, uh, a park area on the east side of the island that's known for its wildlife, and I found one that was about the size uh, rolled up, I'd say, of a ping-pong ball.
1: Wow. Yeah, they're totally harmless
2: uh, in, in stingers and spores. They're livestock or uh, pack animals. Yeah,
0: I was going to
3: say, it looks, oh, like, that's it really looks cool. like a mount. Yeah, it looks like it would be a mount. It'd be or fun. it right? go very fast.
0: It'd be a smooth ride, though. I mean, look at all those yeah. legs. Just yep. no, no, it'd be smooth. Good standing.
3: suspension. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah, we don't really have like, I mean, we don't like, we're like, we don't have cicadas here. So everyone else who so apparently this is the summer of the cicada that's coming out. Yeah. Um, we don't have them. Not, not, not missing that action.
1: Nope.
0: I'm happy with that. Uh, but the, uh, so we were talking about like the, um, when I went to school in California, the, I got in this big angry debate about what daddy long legs are. And so to me, this is a daddy long legs and it's a, what about pilloid. They're not true spiders. Um, uh, but that's a daddy long legs, like right here, big green one. So for other people, if you're like weirdo Californians, the flocidae, this thing, is a daddy long legs. No, 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 no. And it's like a nasty spider that looks like a nasty spider. And so the opioids, like they, they don't bite, you can you know play with them. They don't have, you know, they, they, they can't really bite you. Like yeah, the, the these daddy long legs are apparently not nice. They will bite, you can die from them. So daddy long legs, I'm just putting it out there because apparently now after um, forty two minutes of interviewing you guys, I'm now a bug expert. Um, this is a daddy long legs. This is not and um, you, you mentioned so we were talking about these together. So like, oh, that's a huntsman, and there's some really. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want sp- to to give us a little preview of the cute little fuzzy wuzzy that we're about to see? Talking like, to me? Calvin, yeah, Calvin. Like you, you mentioned oh, a different oh, oh, kind oh, of Hun- oh, 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 harvestman. Harvest Harvest harvestman. Yeah, yeah, huntsman. Huntsman.
2: Harvest oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 a daddy long legs with yeah. bunny ears. I mean, there's there's no other way to say it.
1: I mean, yeah how cute is that?
2: No,
3: I I
1: don't like that. <laughs> yeah, see, that's kind of that's that's too weird for me. Apparently, yeah. they're
0: very big. Like daddy long legs are very small, but like the, the comparison to this guy's hand, apparently they can get some some big. I mean, I don't know, that's an iron on hatch. Never mind.
1: Mm-hmm. I gotta no. say, no. lame <laughs> I, I prefer the little yeah. spider that that's they're really really fuzzy and and with and you know they have the really big eyes. Oh yeah like, yeah jumping spiders. Yeah, as long as they're not near me. But they're 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 pretty darn cute. Yeah, did you uh, really do you know cute, uh, like Lucas cute, Lucas the spider? Yes, yeah. that's who I was thinking yeah. of. Yeah, that.
2: Yeah, uh, so is, these, these are sort of uh, like low low key ambush predators of the uh, the insect world and, and stingers and spores. Anyway, uh, they're they're about as dangerous as like you know a tiger. Uh, they they could you know, jump you if you're, um, you know, wandering the wilderness alone, but if you're traveling with an adventure party, they're not really a concern. Other spiders uh, can still wreck you, but these are about the least dangerous. They're not intelligent either.
0: Oh well, that's good. Unintelligent insects, that's always good. So in the game. Say- they're
2: not intelligent, period. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I mean, what have spiders ever done to advance medicine, space travel? Like they, they've been on this earth longer than we have and they have they are not keeping up their end of the bargain intellectually. I just have to put that out there. They're um, just not smart enough. So. <laughs> so what are some of between the two Peter? What is uh, some of your favorite um insect species or races in the book? Like So I was not an
3: insect person whatsoever coming into this. So I've learned basically everything I know about insects, which is near zero, I'll be honest, from uh, Calvin sending me text messages at 530 in the morning of something he found out about insects that he's coming up with and running it by me. Um, And uh, I think that one of the really cool things is when I was asked to write this one, we kind of came up with like, well, what's the theme we want to do? and Calvin was like, wanted to show the versatility of the setting. And he said, well, let's do pirates. And so then we got to thinking like, so what is a pirate bug, you know? And it really quickly, we came to like, what are those, those little bugs that walk across the water that you always see? And he knew that those had a, you know, those were a specific species with a specific name and we got into those and all of a sudden, okay, now we have a, a crew of, uh, a crew of water-walking pirate insects. And uh, it's really cool the way you can just kind of, like, take these different unique, uh, you know, abilities of all these bugs and work them into your story, but in kind of fantasy adventure tropes that you've seen before, just just kind of spiced up. So I, uh, that made it, you know, so much different than just a really stock, uh, like, pirate adventure type of, write-up you know it just gave it its own feel that was really unique
0: yeah fox and i wrote buccaneer and you guys wrote buganeers
2: oh man oh, oh man, man. Uh, be ashamed of yourself
0: that was scott woodard it wasn't even me i stole it from scott it's still fantastic <laughs> though i love it the...
2: <laughs> i'm definitely using it
0: right buganeers the uh so uh, for you calvin what are your favorite um uh, insect species in the, in the game
2: how long you got
0: I mean, we've already got an hour. The, uh, why not? Uh, highlights, time.
2: Uh, let's see. Uh, I, I like beetles mostly just because they yeah. have a yeah. lot of variability. They're very approachable. Um, I, I have a newfound appreciation for um, grubs.
1: Uh, that
2: bees slash hornets. uh there's just so much strange stuff about them. Uh, like, for example, did you know that uh, – you, no, you probably didn't. Uh, bees need to maintain their hives at a very specific temperature in order to uh, create honey. Otherwise, it ferments and just turns into, like, mead or something. And they do it by vibrating themselves and, like, you know, building up heat in the hive. They have climate control, for God's
0: sakes. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and they use that for defense, too. They will cook insects that invade their hives.
2: Yes, yes, right. uh, that's coming up in a uh, uh, an adventure very soon. Yeah, that's Delicious. what the uh, Japanese honeybees have learned to do. Nice.
0: There we go. We, we, we discovered Bushido, the way of turning the oven up. I love it. Yeah. I think one of the uh,
3: most interesting bug uh, groups that you can play in the game is probably the horde concept, too, just because it's extremely unique to the setting. There's, I, I don't know of anything else in other settings that's really similar to that other than kind of ghost like or phantasm like characters or something like that. And, uh, we got some really cool artwork. I-, I wish I had it in front of me, but I don't Of that. You had done of a horde wearing, I think wearing armor, if I remember correctly.
2: Yeah. So, uh, one advantage to being a, uh, a variable shape is, uh, most bugs have to pay extra if they salvage equipment to get it to fit them because you know every bug shape is different but a horde can just fit into whatever they find laying around yeah right. so it's wearing regular armor uh it's kind of in like the vague proximity of another bug shape but uh yeah yeah just sort of doing its own thing uh yeah it's definitely one of my favorite pictures uh the artwork is starting to come in now uh by the way uh so yeah you'll you guys will be seeing a lot more of that.
0: What's it like when you put out an art order and you're like, okay, uh, I need a beetle, but he's a bard. So yeah,
2: (laughs) they do Uh, really. well. my, my, my art team is fantastic. They're, they're great guys. Uh, they're based out of, uh, Indonesia. Uh, and, uh, one of the nice things about them living in the tropics surrounded by bugs is, uh, I think they're a little more familiar with some of the weird stuff that I'm requesting than, you know, someone in the, uh, the colder parts of the world might be. Uh, Basically I I just send them like 15 pictures. I'll show them a couple different shots of the bug and then some like stock fantasy characters that have kind of the same vibe that I'm going for along with the description.
3: Oh, wow. That's
2: cool. Yeah. Yeah,
1: That's
2: (laughs) That's very cool. Make something out of that. Uh, I I try not to give them too much direction because I find that if you really control what an artist is producing, you know, it might look like what you've, been picturing in your head but if you give them a little bit of freedom they'll really surprise you with the uh directions they want to go in sometimes
0: yeah, well that's pretty and, and right and like i mean they're, they're not going to get a lot of or- orders that are the same right like this is not you know you're, you're not really treading on other people's ip here so that's the kind Correct. of the cool thing is that you you know you are in this, this own kind of category and uh yep. and that's pretty so the uh, I, I went quiet before because like you like entomology i like etymology so i was trying to figure out what the actual um the the greek behind the your um your beetles was the phallico uh beetle so i have got it it's oh, it's only taken me an hour to figure this out so uh phala is from phalanx phallico is like a ph- phalanx warrior and then nathos the g-n-a-t-o-s is for jaw so it's basically like a warrior who uses their jaw. So your beetle is a jaw warrior. It's pretty yeah, cool. makes sense. That okay. total, total sense. Yep. So now we know. The- <laughs> That's
1: half the battle from what I hear. Right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it is. And like, have you ever seen like these, beetles are actually really cool. They like flip the other beetles out of like existence. Like they get in their little like things. And then one of them will just snap there. They, once they get their jaw in the right place, like if they're doing a little mating, whatever, like whoever gets the, you know, the female, the other one will they they just they angle it and then flip it and other beetles go they just go f-
2: fallen down the tree you know right. like 50 100 feet uh and land harmlessly because they're so small uh but uh fun <laughs> fact uh that instinct is kind of hardwired into their system after they're done mating they usually uh, eat the uh the female off the tree too
0: wow <laughs> old habits gentlemen, hard, I guess. all gentlemen seriously the like that that's very much like I left you a twenty on the uh, the bedstand. Now get out. Like yeah. breakfast? Yep. No, adios. What rude men. Rude, rude men. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I guess I mean all things considered, in the insect world, there's got to be some balance between the, all the like females who just literally use the males after copulating for like a snack, right? Like, yeah.
1: Oh yeah. yeah no, I've,
0: I've got a brood to feed now. So oh, you're you're available.
1: Yeah, the praying mantis. I mean, that's that's the one that pr- probably most people think of, you know, when sure. they're about bugs. So um, we,
2: we, we tried to reflect uh, the temperaments of the different bugs and the lore of the, uh, the gods and everything. So my favorite uh, pairing of gods and goddesses uh, is the husband and wife duo of uh, the cockroach god and the mantis goddess. Uh, and they are actually related uh, in real life. Uh, so that, that, that that's, that's one thing to mention is, you know, you don't need to like bugs in order to play this game. But if you do, uh, there are going to be some things like, oh, yeah, I see why I did that. Uh, it, it will take on a deeper meaning. But in any case, so the uh, the roach God was constantly having dalliances with uh, other, you know, goddesses. And when the wife finds out about it, uh, so his ability because he's a roach is he can regenerate from any injury. So she captures him and eats everything but his head which she just carries around with her on like a stick. So whenever he starts to regenerate, she just has another snack. And this is just kind of his punishment for the, uh, the rest of time.
0: I, I so, mean, the, the Greek and Roman pantheon would have turned out so different if Hera just cut off Zeus and carried him around as a head on a stick. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, about eighty-five percent of the tragedy would have just gone away because yeah. Zeus's libido is pretty much the cause of all that. So I, yeah, I, I like man. it; like it's, it's very, it's very Jeff Dunham. Like you know, like uh, yeah, I've got a beetle gut on his feet. right? On his right. yes. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. That's hilarious. The um, so, so no, actually interesting question though. So like the um, on the regeneration bit and on I mean so we've already like swarms are very different um as a player character uh have you, you like like are there wound variances like do you ever have any uh, larger pcs to get more wounds or the region like how does that work uh, as a pc
2: I, I keep it pretty standard in terms of the uh, the Savage Worlds core. Uh, if you are large, which is uh, plus four, then you take an extra wound. Uh, but I don't know if you would actually want to play a size plus four character, to be perfectly honest. Uh, the trade off there is that you get, um, you, you pay quadruple for gear cost. Uh, size plus two plays double, size plus four plays quadruple. So you're not going to be able to afford anything starting out and getting, you know, any custom armor or anything like that. You're also at a penalty to hit anybody, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, keep, keeping with standard Savage Worlds, it's, yeah, minus two targeting. You're, you're going to be a complete beast, but, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're going to have trouble making contact with the enemy, especially if you get a really nimble character who's facing off against you. If you get, like, a, a Fruit Fly, size minus three, um, Ladybug, size minus two, you know, they have uh, penalties to be hit by a regular-sized character. And then you're there with, you know, even more penalties. You're, you're, you're just never going to land a blow. And they can target, you know, your eye or your soft spots uh, pretty easily.
3: It's totally accurate, though. I mean, it represents the exact problems you would have with those scales. I think it makes sense.
2: Also, yeah, just fitting into regular places. And I don't mean fitting in in the social sense. I mean, like, <laughs> there's this door and you're going to have to, you know, find a way around it. Yeah,
1: right. Or like or stand yeah.
2: outside and just listen in. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a, 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 a D&D terms or something. You're looking at, like, a, a, a frost giant trying to go into a human town.
2: Yeah, um, but and- they, they, are, they are useful, uh, too, uh, especially if you get, like, one of the big bugs that can fly. Uh, we have a, uh, a character in my current playtest called uh, The Bus. I mean, I don't even remember her real name. Everyone just calls her The Bus because, yeah, she's a big <laughs> Hercules beetle, and everyone just rides her around. She's like, opera uh, sized from uh, Avatar. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah, you're not a player character. You're conveyance. Sorry, thanks.
2: Actually, that must be rewarding. Insects are the main means of transportation. So, like what we were talking about before, with uh, like having millipedes as mounts. uh, The the problem is all the of all the non-insects. The only ones that are fast are the ones that are predators. Right. So you know you could plausibly ride like a snail or a millipede or something like that, but they're not going to get you anywhere. So the Best means of transportation is there's just a class of uh, I call them bug bearers. Uh, yeah, they're they're basically just large insects who act as you know like taxis and you know conveyance for you know the smaller ones. Excellent, I love All it. Excellent.
1: Right. So I, I I have to ask a question that I always ask, <laughs> and and we'll see what your answer is. So the 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 full setting, any ideas mm-hmm. when you're going to be launching, coming out with it. Uh, the art's coming in
2: now. Uh, for the Player's Guide, the art is about halfway through. Uh, and I'm talking to a couple of different editors now. Uh, they're, they're, they're all pretty qualified. I Honestly, I'm just seeing who can give me the best time frame at this point. Uh, I'm hoping to have everything. I mean, the Player's Guide is written. Uh, I'm hoping to have everything ready by early fall, like September. Okay. And, you know, this isn't my first rodeo. I did Gods and Masters pretty much all myself uh you know aside from the artwork and you know the layout of course but in terms of the writing this one i have a bit more help with so i think i can you know realistically gauge how long this is going to take uh the gm's guide is also completely written although i did decide to add one more chapter a couple of days ago about uh dark magic and sorcery so uh that that (laughs) one will take,
3: um, yeah
2: sorry i had to throw that in there Yeah, so I'll (laughs) be uh, adding that. But besides that, that's also done. Uh, So, yeah, Kickstarter, early fall. And I'm hoping to have, just as I did with Gods and Masters, I'm hoping to have the player's guide done by then. Uh, I'm not going to mention any names, but I think we all know of Kickstarters that just took way longer than anticipated because the uh, things come up. Life happens, you know? Right.
0: Yeah, well, it, it is a vicious circle between... Like, do you need the money to finish the production of the book, or do you just need the money to do the printing if you're gonna do a real print run, or what is the money being used for? and you know and, and where in the line do you decide to go to Kickstarter? and like for us, like for fox and I, like we've we've definitely learned to fall on the get the thing just finished if you you know whatever whatever it means if it's later, fine, if it's years later, fine. Um you don't yeah. it, it, it's anxiety I was you guys
2: specifically.
0: Oh no, I know. we we were good. We did Buccaneer yeah. was good. We just haven't, you know. All our other projects are like sitting on hold, right? But the um no, like the, the the fact of like having having it over your head where you've taken money from people and then yeah. it's not ready to go to a printer relatively soon is anxiety inducing, right? Because you yeah. do any little thing and then you got angry people and then but you know So it is, yeah, there are definitely some projects that are even like I years ago that are just getting stuff out now. And I'm like, I I don't think I'd ever want to be in that position, even if if it's, you know, there's a right time to strike and it's successful. um, No, I'd rather be in a position where it's like, I, I like what Pinnacle does. I mean, having seen the inside of that a little bit more now on, yeah, the books are really far along before you ever get to, you know, the crowdfunding. And then, I mean, it's it's advantage of having, you know, multiple things in the pipeline, whereas independent publishers like us just don't, you know, like we don't have the bandwidth to have 12 projects going. Like, right, you know.
2: yeah. But, yeah. If I, you know, was uh, as big of a company as Pinnacle is, they, they call themselves a small company, but I'm a small company. They're, 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 or I'm a micro company. They're not a small company by my standards. But yeah, if I had, you know, the same uh, financial capabilities, yeah, that would be the ideal. Uh, I did do that with Gods and Masters. Gods and Masters was 90% done, Player's Guide and GM's Guide. But the reason I did that is because I knew this was my first product. No one had ever heard of me, and if I don't have something very far along, I'm just not going to get any money. Uh, but yeah. that was a very uh, nerve wracking risk. It was the, you know, if this doesn't get funded, I'm going to be several grand down the tube. Yep. Yeah. And I only got funded with like three or four days left. Oh yeah. That, so, that's a yeah. that, 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 that was a, too, a very right? anxious month. Well,
0: and yeah. like, and we've, we've seen other, other creators who it worrying about getting funded way over promise. Right. Like
2: not even or just overpriced business. or well, you have people yeah, who say, you know, right. we need like 20 grand to uh, get this out the door because, well, you know, yeah.
0: it, it, well, yeah. if you're going to print, right. So like, that's the weird thing. It's like, if you actually have to go to a print run versus it, you know, it, 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 it's, it to me, it's, it's a weird thing in the industry right now, because it's like, if you're, if you're going to produce a really nice quality book, um, do you want to do then like a going to offset printing, printing at least like 500 or a thousand, whatever, um doing the shipping yourself or do you want to be like okay i got the book i'm done with it i'm going to lay off all of the actual printing and shipping off to like you know like drive through rpg print on demand right um but then like drive through rpg print on demand the prices they give to creators are not fantastic i mean no it
3: must it must be quite small yeah
0: yeah so it's it's like, well, so do I want to give away all my profit or do I want to then go into the business where now I'm a writer, producer, now I've got to be a logistics person and then order many more copies of the book than I need because you you got to get a price break to make it all worth it and then be selling your book physically for the next however many years. and So, yeah, it's, it's not easy, man. like For, for people who are like – I mean, I think all of us in general because of the nature of the hobby being a game master – you almost have to be a creator. I mean, I, you know, I, I know very few game masters who have ever just run published modules as written, never changed anything, never advised, you know, right. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, so you, you, you do become a creator. And then at some point you're like, wow, the feeling I got from the group of people I ran this for was great. Wouldn't it? Maybe other people would like this. Maybe I should publish maybe. And then you get into this whole, you know, it's, it's definitely a hobby that pushes you towards creation. Um, you know, unlike a lot of other hobbies, I think. I mean, I, I don't know sure. board game people who are like, I really like playing board games. I'm going to create one. But I do know, I mean, almost every RPG game master I know is has got that, you know... It's funny I, when you
1: say that, Linda, because, you know, you and I both know one, one of those people. Oh,
0: well, we do, right? Yeah, Brett, totally. Yeah, um, yeah. The, well, no, 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 no. And there's, I mean, the the board game Kickstarter realm is, is huge, right? There yeah. are a ton of people who create those games. But, I mean, there's nothing there's nothing inherent about playing a board game that leads to creativity requirements. Whereas RPGs, your game master has a creativity requirement right there up in front. Like right, exactly. yeah, you can be inspired yeah. by board games, but like during a board game, there there's not, there's no improvisation kind of requirement that RPGs require. And really that's what creating a game is. It's, it's improv taken it to the next level of like, well, maybe if I write it down. Right. And, uh, hey, that's a good question for both of us for if you kind of like, Okay, where did this idea come from? Like, you weren't a bug dude before. You, you didn't have your grub, which I'm kind of amazed the grub stays a grub that long. It was like a lot of. Uh, like- yeah, it's
2: super weird. Uh, they can be a grub for, uh, depending on the species, sometimes two or three years. And then they uh, come out and they're uh, an adult for like six months. I mean, uh, okay, if we're, if we're going to go yeah, into dude. the most extreme of that, there's a kind of mayfly that lives in the Southeast United States. I, I forget the species name, it, it wouldn't be hard to find. The females. I mean, they're they're larvae for months, but they come out of their um, into their adult form. The females live five minutes; they lay their eggs and they die. The males live twenty five minutes. They so wait for the females female. to lay. They fertilize and then they die, and then the process repeats.
0: That's
1: that's
2: crazy. Yeah. We we have handled that in game. Uh, if you want to play <laughs> one of those species, uh, like a lot hey, of moths do, don't have mouths. They physically cannot yeah. eat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they got about a week on them. They, they come out, they need to lay their eggs, find a mate, and then they're done. So uh, basically what – since magic has started to come back into the world after most of the vertebrates have been stamped out. Uh, so there there, is, no, there is
0: no Orchid Man. So that's the thing. There's no human – oh, okay. okay,
2: so I, I – I am open to the idea of publishing modules like in someone's backyard at some point, but in the uh, just, just for fun. Uh, and I have alternate rules for like if you want to do more of a silly Saturday morning cartoon kind of thing, you know, like a bug's yeah, life style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But in the <laughs> oh, core yeah. lore, I, I don't say it explicitly, but let, let me ask you this. Uh, imagine like right now, bugs for some reason become sentient and they start systematically ganging up on and killing everything that normally eats them. What is, you know, birds uh, swoop in to grab a uh, a moth and then, you know, 10 other moths with, you know, like short swords, jump it and stab (laughs) it in the eye. What's that going to do to the ecosystem?
1: Right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, no, no. I mean, the the, people in in the environmental cause, people are kind of down on humans. Just this whole kind of long-standing humans are a virus, a plague on the earth kind of shit. And I'm like, have you guys ever looked at biomass numbers? Like, we might be the most intelligent species on the planet, and I don't think that's even up for debate, you know, but we are by biomass, like, no, no, there's plenty of other very successful species that don't give a wick about what we're doing and are living happy, happy lives, they are more significant on changing the environment, they, you know, yeah, by biomass, yeah, humans are, yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not at the top of that apex,
2: so, I, I don't know how true this is uh again, bug enthusiast, not expert, but I remember reading somewhere recently that if you divide every like living animal in the world into groups, uh one is an ant, one is a termite, one is a beetle, two more, two out of five is everything else, yeah I I believe that. yeah. 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 We're, we're talking macroscopic life, of course, not you know yeah, right. like single cell right. organisms. But yeah, bar, barring that, 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 it's it's not even close.
0: Exactly, not even close, right? And like, so yes, yeah, just if if they could organize, oh my god, it'd be it would be frightening.
2: Plus, would I be mean, total not, disaster,
0: right? Yeah, total. Yeah, human beings would not stand a chance. I mean, I've
2: seen, we, I've seen the movie Food of the Gods. I know what can happen. Oh, they wouldn't I even need to that. fight people. Just. You know, killing all the other stuff, uh, getting rid of our oh, food source. If, yeah, if yes. they,
0: if you had a blight on corn for about five years, not done. Modern modern oh, world yeah. without like one food crop, like there, you know, if you, you get rid of corn, there goes your beef because, you know they supplement with corn. You know, oh yeah, no, 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 yeah, corn, potatoes, wheat. <clears throat> yeah, the, the bugs wouldn't care. You know, those things, you know, grass, wild grasses that we don't eat, they're fine. Yeah, yep. a couple foodstuffs. stuffs and uh, yeah no thanks the um no i i agree with you yeah yeah oh here's another question though too so the um i think the answer is no but the it's all terrestrial right there are i mean you're terrestrial and like avian but like you I, haven't got yeah, marine yet uh there aren't
2: really any ocean insects no, there's I'm one right. kind of water strider uh, you know the the ones that look like spiders that run around uh, that mm-hmm. live in a couple of different places. But there's nothing under the sea. Uh, there are freshwater bugs, of course, and oh, yeah. yeah, those those are definitely taken into consideration. A lot of larvae uh, live underwater. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so that's definitely in there, but no, nothing uh, ocean-based. They do acknowledge uh, other uh, invertebrates as being maybe not equal to insects, but somewhere on the same level. So there's uh, the goddess Crustacea. Uh, So so there are two types of gods. There's the uh, nature gods. Uh, The five elements are uh, let's see, um, sun, wind, rain, plant, and fungus. So those are your religious-type magics. Uh, And then the other gods, the ones that are bug-based are called the arthrogods you know instead of arthropods (laughs) yeah so the 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 arthrogods include insects but there are also yeah there's crustacea there's uh, one for uh, centipedes and millipedes Uh, there's the arachnid gods who are bad news uh yeah yeah but no there's nothing in the ocean because that just reflects real life
0: that's that's good well I, i was just thinking of like if you've got pirates what are the big like What's the, well, what's it, the it could be it, like a
2: pond is the thing, you know. Yeah. A body of water doesn't need to be that big in order to be a, uh, a pretty large ocean to a uh, a bug. That's true, that's true. That's oh I yeah, know. in our whole adventure
3: uh, that we wrote, I mean, it takes place basically on two sides of like a big puddle, basically, and and that's you know where these two cities are, uh, and the the still sea between them, which is essentially yeah, like a large like a like a vernal pool or a, like a puddle of water that they. Have to venture across on their tiny boat made of twigs and you know leaves.
0: I love it. This is yeah, yeah this is great. It's good oh, stuff. Yeah. So the uh, I think the last question for you guys is like, when are you going to come on and run this for us? Like, we definitely need to get an online game of this uh, going now that we. I mean, we're, obviously we're all on different continents and we're filming at a weird time, but um, I think we need to see
2: this in action because. Um, I, I would love to do it. I need to familiarize myself with online options. I, I hate to say it, and I'm not trying to brag or anything, but uh, in Taiwan, I have not had to do online gaming of any yeah, sort. Yeah. Uh, my game group has been 100% IRL for the last, you know, as long as I've been here.
0: Yeah, all you people with your really uh, good masking and all that stuff and used to the flus and the avian stuff. I know, it's sad, but all the rest of us have been quarantined and, you know. But now we're back I, vaccinated, I, so.
2: I get notes from my family that just sounds so surreal with everything yeah. that's going on yeah. back there. Uh, yeah, people wear masks now. Uh, there were uh, a few days where schools were closed just to be cautious. But beyond that, it's been pretty much, you know, life is normal. I mean, fingers crossed, of course, anything can happen. We're not in the clear so, yet. R-
1: real quick, I, I, kind of thinking about that. Tell me a little bit about, so, so what is gaming like in... Taiwan. I can't believe I just now thought of that question, but I'm curious. So, so what is the gaming like?
2: Well, I don't even live in a big city in Taiwan. I live in Jubei, which is about uh, halfway—not even halfway. It's like a third of the way down the island. There's a lot of people in the north, a lot of people in the south. I'm a train ride from existing game groups, but pretty much all of them are Westerners. A lot of stuff just hasn't been translated into uh, Mandarin, so that's kind of an issue.
1: A lot of Westerners, and okay.
2: A lot of Westerners or Westernized, uh, Taiwanese people. So, you know, know a decent bit of English. Uh, so there's a lot of that up in Taipei, the capital, and there's a lot of that down South, but I don't live in either of those. Pretty much everybody who games at my table. And I have, I I'd say a dozen people that I game with on at least a semi-regular basis. And maybe half a dozen that are at my normal group, uh, Yeah, they're they're pretty much all people that I thought, hey, you're kind of a dork. You'd probably be into this. And, you know, I just have to approach them personally and get them into it. Do you like bugs? I usually (laughs) don't open with that. Uh, Although, let let me tell you, uh, uh, holy crap. Uh, My minis collection, it's just a bunch of toy bugs. And I have like a large like toolbox now just full of all the different stuff. Uh, that That is one selling point I would say of this game versus a lot of others is you don't need to spend a ridiculous amount of money on miniatures. Like, yeah, you can go right. to the dollar store and find yep. some insect toys that will serve the part just fine. Yep. Uh, see, I don't think I have anything with me right now. Uh, this might sound kind of creepy, uh, but one of the reasons I want to have, uh, you know, the beetles that I do is so eventually I can have some, you know, minis. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like
0: it. Yeah, those are cool Yeah, no, I I I knew some, my, one of my friends had a scorpion that was in acrylic like that for the longest time. I and mean, we actually we mentioned like y- you're on the market for a scorpion, but you just have to convince the significant other that you know, what size a scorpion. What,
2: I I, I want a big scorpion. one, I want an emperor scorpion, because they're pretty mm-hmm. much harmless, but they're also like, you know, giant. Wow.
0: That's cool. That's cool. I, I owe no bugs. But the um what is no. it like? like? Here's the question, right? So you, you mentioned a little bit before um, on the personalities. Like this, I mean, obviously, the, your grub is, is right now just grubbing; it's just eating food. Um, but your, yeah. your your beetle, like, does your beetle have a personality? Do you think?
2: Uh, so I, you know, I haven't handled many other beetles, so this might be you <laughs> know, just how beetles act, uh, but. Okay, so uh, Muller is a female, and the females, for the most part, don't they're, – they're very passive. They find a place on a tree, they release their scent, and the males come to them. Uh, but this also affects – Uh, their behavior in other ways. Like I was cleaning out her tank the other day uh, and she latched onto my finger and I was trying to, you know, push her off gently. I could have taken her off very easily, but I didn't want to like rip a foot off or anything. And so I was very gently trying to pry her off and she just got scared and hunkered down and would not move. It took about an hour and a half to pry her off of, you know, my right pointer finger. I ended up having to use a uh, pencil eraser because it was soft enough that I knew it wasn't going to, you know, like damage her or anything. Uh, whereas uh, from what I understand, a male, the second they get scared, they're just going to fly off, which honestly would have been much easier to deal with because you know, my apartment's <laughs> not that big. I could have handled that just fine. But uh, yeah, so her personality, she's very, very um, calm, but yeah, just kind of hunkers down and stays in one place. She, she runs around a bit in her tank and she, pounds banana jelly like you wouldn't believe like she's eating her weight in this stuff like once every couple of days they
0: have banana jelly
2: <laughs> i am uh, jealous of of beetle oh my god banana jelly. you can eat so- it i've tried it it's not terrible okay yeah they just need the sugar content
0: sounds good though mm, banana jelly. It's, it's not bad the uh so so here's the question i i, I imagine in my mind this is sort of like um like blade runner like when they're looking for like the, the info on the snake how does one acquire insects do you go to stores or did you did you find like enthusiast groups online and find people so, who are also into insects i feel and, like
3: this is like very like
0: dark back
3: alley right like, i don't want it to be back alley stuff. stuff
0: yeah i don't want <laughs> to be like code words and yeah. and just yeah. like illicit money transfers and
2: yes. So Taiwan is very Japanese in terms of culture. It was, it was a Japanese colony until after World War II. Uh, and so socially, there's a lot of Japanese influence. And one of the things that is really popular in Japan, because, you know, they have apartments that are like, you know, two yards you know long, is having uh, insect pets. So uh, there are a lot of beetle stores there, and there are a lot of beetle stores here as well. There's a beetle store about, I don't know, half a mile from my house. And yeah, like I have this book right here in my hand that's a Japanese book on like keeping insect beetles and everything that I just found in a bookstore here second hand it's It's not you know a thing that everybody's into, but it's definitely not uncommon. You know, I'm a teacher, and uh, there are i don't know a couple of dozen students in my school that I know who go to the same place for their beetles, so yeah it's definitely a thing, and you know it's not a big commitment. Uh, I live in a small apartment. I would feel really guilty if I got a dog, but, uh, beetles aren't really smart enough to get bored. Uh, you know, you, you can just stick them in like a, a large Tupperware Mm -hmm. container, give them some jelly and some, you know, dirt and they're good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or terrorize them when you're cleaning their cage because.
2: (laughs) Right, right, right. So, so um. I'm, I'm hoping that the, uh, the male, I mean, he's much bigger first off, but I'm, I'm hoping that he doesn't act the same way, but I don't know. Having something, yeah, hand-sized, buzzing around the apartment, if he gets scared, that might be interesting in a uh, completely different way. So I don't is, know how happy you would be to see that.
0: Is the grub the same species of beetle?
2: No, 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 very different. Oh, totally no, he's, different. A, he's a glass beetle, so yeah, about oh, the size of my okay. hand.
0: Wow, Yeah, they're, okay. they're the
2: biggest beetle by weight.
0: Wow. Wow! So um, do you have to do, like, uh, so is it's kind of variable on when, when he decides to, to metamorphize or whatever?
2: Um, he's still got a couple months left. He's starting to turn yellow just a little bit, which is how you know that they're finished. They start out, like, milky white, and then the yellower they get, the closer they are, and then, yeah, they, they transform.
0: So do you need a whole different enclosure when that happens? or oh, like
2: I'll probably upgrade it just in terms of size, because, again, he's going to be a big honking beetle. Uh, that is, by the way, something to mention is uh, playing a larva is a totally viable character concept. Um, yeah. So it, you, you basically start out as a different um, uh, character race. Hmm. You start out as a grub of some sort. You get your own racial abilities. And then when you hit veteran or when the GM says you can do it, you pupate and you change all the physical uh, things that your character has. So I have a uh, a play tester right now who's an antlion, if you know what that is. Oh yeah, those are cool. Yeah, yeah, they're they're actually the larval form of a fly. So oh, I didn't know we're that. we're probably going to go on summer hiatus soon. So he's thinking that that's a good time for his character to you know just drop whatever he's doing in the middle of an encounter, start rolling up a ball of dirt, <laughs> you know, crawl inside it, and then when the uh, the game resumes in a couple of months, he'll be a fly. And he'll have, you know, the same personality, the same uh, mental uh, characteristics, but uh, the physical side will be entirely different. That's cool.
1: That's yeah, kinda, that's... I really like that. I really
2: like uh, that. It, it gives you a chance to, you know, play around with a concept that you might not like, too. You know, if you want to see, like, is this really the character I want to go into? You know, you can, you can experiment with the larva, and then if uh, you like it, you can double down when they become an adult, or you can, you know, completely switch to something else
3: yeah you have like a, a just a an escape plan there if you're not really super enjoying one character type yeah uh
0: that's super awesome i think that's actually a, a really good place to wrap up we've already got an hour and a half and the uh guys is long longer than we uh planned but the um right, I don't was know how much of that
2: was actually about savage worlds at all yeah
0: well, I, I mean we know savage worlds we don't know the bug world and that's kind of the, the best part of this right is like the, the fact that you know it's impressive that the the mechanics that you guys have set up in this game really do bring into consideration the kind of consideration. Well, bring into consideration the considerations. That's that's brilliant writing, Chris. Um, Good job. Ooh, that's right, nice. right. That's yeah, nice. we, we don't need editors. We can just do this on the fly. Um, See so yeah, the, the characteristics of that world of those the the the, the different insect species. Um, it's definitely fun that you put the the, the magic and the the, the kind of. Um, fantasy elements over, because again, that's, that's the part that's very familiar, right? Like, you know, similar to what we're doing in SWAT, right? It's like that, you know, that's the familiar element for gamers. It's a fun element, but doing something very different with it does keep it fresh, doesn't make it new. It's not the same old, same old, not a, a slight variation.
2: And, um... But it tatters uh, it. It keeps it from getting too weird. If I did, you know, a more realistic bug campaign, it would just be so different from anything anyone understands, but... Right. I, I don't even think I would enjoy it. I mean, it would be interesting, but I don't think it would be fun.
0: Well, that's true. That, that, that's the game part, right? Like it's gamified. We know the rules of the game generally, um, and we like playing the game. So, like, yeah, yeah. Subject matter changes, but you know, the language of the game mostly stays the same. Right. And um, well, that's pretty good. So, uh, so by the it sounds like, by the time you have the Kickstarter, you'll have your Goliath beetle out. So we definitely want Goliath beetle pictures for your Kickstarter. And um, yeah, I can do that.
1: Yeah. So, is there any anything before we let you guys go? Anything that you want to just mention? Um, I know right now we you we you can get the current um, PDFs on drive Right. The jump,
3: the jump yep. start and the right. adventure both are available.
1: Yeah. So go. Uh, we'll her. probably
2: have some more coming out uh, in the meantime. Uh, I've got Peter and I've got a couple other uh, guest authors who are putting some stuff together. I, you know, I, I, I could spend some time on that, but really I should be pushing through the uh, core product, trying to get right, that out fair. as soon as possible. So, yeah, yeah. Um, if we do do other things in the meantime, it will be kind of exploring different biomes. There's, there's no reason really to have all these adventures in the same place. The first one was a forest. Peter's was a uh, swamp pond area. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff you could go with. But the last thing I would like to uh, kind of, Preview, I guess, is there is a plot point campaign that, as I said, I've been playtesting pretty exclusive, uh, pr- pretty thoroughly rather, with uh, my Taiwanese uh, game group. Uh, it takes place in the Colombian rainforest because in South America, that's where all the really big, crazy stuff is. You know, the uh, the tarantulas, the yeah, yeah. really terrifying spiders, just a lot of biodiversity. And I'm kind of going in almost a sort of. Uh, Castlevania direction
0: nice <laughs> interesting
2: yeah uh I'm, I'm, the preemptive title is called the golden web uh you ever heard of a golden orb weaver mm-hmm. yeah so one, one of those is the uh uh the villain uh, Octavia von Nephila. so yeah I'm, I'm going in sort of a yeah Germanic uh horror game but yeah in the rainforests of Columbia
1: uh, sounds great
2: Uh, I'm not sure when that one will come out you know obviously the uh, player's guide and GM's guide comes out first but I'm hoping that I can have that one hammered out in the next year I have a pretty firm idea of you know what I need to write it's it's beyond the concept stage I just have to you know actually get all this other stuff done before I sit down and write it but that will be coming. Excellent. Well,
0: awesome. Well th- thank you, Peter, for writing the uh, the best pirate game to come out since Buccaneer. And uh for Calvin for uh, doing bringing this crazy, crazy insect filled world to Savage Worlds. I think it's exciting. And um yeah, look thank forward you to guys seeing for your picture. On. So thanks for joining us. Nice
3: here. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Awesome. And for everybody else, uh, we'll be back in two weeks. I think yep. that's the what uh, near the end of May, what May twenty. 25th. 25th. yeah 25th so see you guys all in two weeks until then um check out all the fun pathfinder flash gordon etu the uh strider stingers and spores all the goodness that's already available on drive Free rpg we'll pop links uh in the video when we run this so enjoy guys catch you later